0: I really feel like uh, my life and my artistry and my craft is, you know, part of a job description of me as an employee of the universe, right?
1: Signal Process is produced by Program Change, dedicated to inspiring and celebrating the independent music community. Welcome everybody to episode two of Signal Process presented by Program Change. I'm Daniel. And I'm Chandler. And this week, we're joined in conversation with the incredibly talented vocalist, producer, and DJ, A. Billy Free. A deft MC and brilliant singer, A. Billy has delivered two solo albums over the past two years, E. Luma and Black Magic Symbol, that break down the borders between hip-hop, dance music, futuristic soul, and jazz.
0: Storm is gone and nothing
1: a former mainstay of the chicago music scene a billy is currently based in the southwest near the borders of el paso juarez and southern new mexico she spoke with us about how city life versus rural life has affected her writing and approach to collaboration
0: i think uh, a lot of my creativity comes from um, just being in
1: solitude we also talked about our shared love of dj culture how technology can help empower the future of independent music and now she gets incredible sound from a 50 dollar microphone we really hope you enjoy our talk with a billy free to begin a billy tells us a little bit about a self-imposed writer's retreat she just got back from A billy i'm curious you mentioned that you're doing a writer's retreat uh can you talk a little bit about that
0: Uh, It was self-imposed. I've got some projects coming up and um, just needed the space and time outside of my home to just, you know, dig in and wake up and drink some tea and just write, write, write. And if I want to take a nap, then I could take a nap and like nothing else to do. So I just kind of took that time for myself to respect my craft and respect my rest and I think it did well. I got, I got some good things going, I got some things done. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased, ready to do it again.
1: That's awesome. It seems like from this and from our phone call before, you know, you, you put a lot of importance on your sense of space. Um, it seems like where you are matters a lot in your writing process. So do you, do you gravitate that towards
0: is different? Absolute.
1: Yeah, that's, and that's awesome. Do you gravitate towards certain environments? are there certain spaces where you feel more creative or that you prefer to sort of spark your creativity?
0: Mm, I think uh, a lot of um, my creativity comes from just being in solitude. Um, You know, I spend a lot of time with people um, or I have spent a lot of time with people. I did a lot of community advocacy when I was at university and um, it's good work, but you know, you get burnt out. So I did that for several years and, when I came out here and there was just so much open space and, you know, you can see the sky, it, you know, it sort of made me go inside and see that, you know, there's infinite possibilities to write about, infinite, you know, uh, concepts to explore, right, and to just have this space and no distraction. So I, I really do, that really does help my, my writing and my creating process just being by myself. I love it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I find that kind of interesting though, because it seems like a lot of your music has involved some pretty close collaborations with people. I mean, how do you balance, um, your preference for solitude and the creative process with these very good and fruitful creative collaborations?
0: Yeah, I think that those those collaborations sort of feed me and help connect me to a wider community. And particularly this last year, there was a lot of time spent by myself. Um, so now it's kind of like you're, I'm feeding for more collaboration. Um, and that was happening throughout uh, quarantine and the lockdown and, and whatever. But uh, it's really gearing up. But again... I collaborate to learn more. I collaborate to um, feel a sense of community and work on a project um, with artists that, you know, I really respect or I love their sound. um, And that sort of keeps me balanced, right? So I don't disappear completely into the bush, which I've tried to do a couple of times, right? But I, I, you know, I recognize the, the beauty of community and um, the importance of staying connected, right? Cause if I don't stay connected and I'm writing all these songs and people are listening to it, like I, you know, it can get lost if I'm just like completely inside of myself all of the time. Right. So that's, it's, it's, my, it's uh, a saving grace to be able to collaborate with so many awesome people. Uh, cause it keeps me connected.
1: It's, I think it's so, so important. How do you go about starting that relationship like, for example, you know, with uh, your album last year, Uncle L is the name of the producer. Um, how'd you go Uncle about L. connecting with them?
0: Well, I knew Uncle L from my time uh, spent in Chicago. We we had done some shows before. I was in um, like an EDM hip-hop band called the Disney's, and so he was also DJing. Um, he's like a pillar in the Chicago beat community. Um, so we had known each other for years, and... I came back to visit Chicago in like 2016 or 2017 and uh, he booked a show for me and he was like, you know, come through, let's listen to some beats, see if we can work something on something. I had actually stopped doing music for a little while and was just coming back into it um, in this new sort of form and um, it just worked out. So we actually had a... Project prior to Black Magic symbol called Conjure, and so that was like, that was the, the creation that came from that time when we sort of reconnected, um, and then we just said let's keep on going, you know. Um, and again, it's great to um, work with Uncle L uh, and all of the cats that I used to know in Chicago, and keeping that connection um, and. I really appreciate them still, like, including me and and connecting with me, even though I'm, you know, I'm not in Chicago anymore, but I definitely rep it, Um, and I I grew up musically in Chicago. I I guess I wouldn't say that. I grew up musically everywhere, but Chicago was really, um, like, this vast playground to either take in new music or experiment with music and, you know... In the artist scene, everybody's always doing something, so there's always something to do. And and I appreciate that fire. And I'm glad that I still have I, uh, I still have an inlet. You know, I still have some capital there to to continue to create.
1: The Chicago music scene really fascinates me. Um, it seems like it's a city that kind of, for the better half of the 20th century and into the 21st, has innovated and, and defined what's going on um, in popular music overall, Chicago is kind of like the, I don't even know what the word is. It's like when it, when it pops off in Chicago, then, you know, it's like a few years out from taking over the world. So I kind of want to know your take on it. Like, what is it about Chicago? What is it about? Is it the city? Is it the kind of people that are attracted to that city? What makes it this breeding ground for super creative, interesting art?
0: Shoot. Um, I, I, Don't know all the way. My only guess would be that it is, um, number one, a working-class city. Um, And so for me, that's uh, important. It's more real. I come from a working-class background. Um, Both of my parents were in the military, so I understand. You know, I perhaps understand too much the value of hard work, and you see that uh, kind of across the board. Um, So many people from so many different countries, so many different cultures, like the food is outstanding. Um, And then also their location and geography uh, within the landmass, I think is important, too, because it's like once it gets cold in Chicago, Like, everybody's, like, cold, trust this place. I'm leaving in the summer. But there's this point that happens, like, right when spring hits and right when all the festival lineups are dropping. And it's just, like, music everywhere. People are busking. Like, people, they know how to celebrate because the winters are so harsh and so bad. Um, And I don't know. I, I really... I really resonate with that. I really connect that. So I think that's part of like the heart and the spirit and the fire um, that I, you know, I I love and I cherish and it it manifests itself in all sorts of expressions in that city. Um, And even with hip hop too, like I noticed like a lot of cats, like in hip hop in Chicago, um, they don't get the shine that I think they deserve, but they really do. Um, they're kind of like pioneers. Like I see a lot of things that Chicago rappers are doing like 10 years ago that sound popular now, but other people from other places are doing it. And so I, I kind of get when like rappers and MCs in Chicago like talk big shit because it really, there's some appropriation happening, right? But there's also not credit being given um, where it's due. So, you know, it is what it is. And, and we continue anyway. And that's the beautiful thing too we just continue to create regardless of who who's acknowledging and who's not.
1: Do you feel like your writing has changed since moving kind of away from the city and towards, um, more of a desert landscape? And if so, how?
0: Uh, it's less angry. Um, I think it's more real. I think that it's more understanding of, um, the type of duality that we, need to balance in our human lives right instead of just being mad at everything and like uh you know down on the government down on the man all the time you know um that's i think that's important it's an important stage to go through but um you know as far as giving things to people or giving gifts to people through music like we don't need like Sugar coated. We need real, but we also need uh, kind of a beacon too, right? And so, um, I think that's what my music sort of transformed into as I've been out here and sort of done my own self work and recognizing people and comparing them to other places, people in other places i have been to.
2: Yeah, and in listening to your music, I I do uh, and, you know do the performances that I've seen and in interviews, like I do get this sense that you've made somewhat of an effort to make music a uh, a part of your life rather than like a separate career and that you invest time into um you know and you know through uh shout outs to like you know, the people involved in agriculture on a local level or uh you know local political causes um that you've mentioned in the past and so uh i'm just wondering when looking at that compared to, uh, what you're saying previously about just the creative benefits you get from living, uh, you know, uh, living a kind of solitary life and being able to really focus on you and your craft. Like does, uh, yeah, just, uh, can you talk a little bit about the relationship that community has versus the, uh, the more introverted and introspective parts of your personality? Sorry. There, there are a lot of parts of that question. I realize. Daniel,
0: I take the ninety a seconds and,
2: and file a question out of it, please. <laughs> you're good.
1: You're good. <laughs> I think Chandler was curious about um, how you reconcile your your prioritization of yourself. Your um, I don't want to say introversion, but um, maybe just a preference towards solitude in the creative process that you mentioned. Um, reconciling that with what seems to be a, a genuine embrace of community? It seems like you're writing from—I um, don't want to say community standpoint, but from a universal standpoint.
0: Uh, I think that is uh, 100% correct. Exact. Um, I try to look at my life uh, that way, and I try to move through, um, move through that anger, right, that I would write about and still feel, you know, with all of the things. Uh, happening in the world or uh, in my awareness. Um, and how I reconcile those things is kind of like what we said, is through collaborations, um, from, from, and also through just listening to other people and listening to their perspectives and listening to their music and understanding that, um, yeah, it, it, it's not about me. I, I really feel like uh, my life and my artistry and my craft is, you know, part of a job description of me as an employee of the universe, right? I get my orders and I fulfill them as professionally as possible, right? And so, in a way, it's not about me. It comes through me. um, But also, I'm just trying to do my best to be the best employee I can be. You know, I'm trying to get employee of the month. Um, uh, So, all of these things sort of have worked together. And for me, it's not planned. It just kind of comes. Um, and usually it comes right on time. So it's kind of this thing of like, you know, being in the world, trying to be as professional as possible, but also letting, um, life guide me. Right. And I feel super grateful and um, privileged to have that type of life, um, and to continue to curate that life in that way, because it's just done nothing but bring me benefits. So why not just keep, keep doing it, you know?
1: I love that. It's
0: sort of the confidence you have with like understanding your vocation, you know?
1: I love that idea of being an employee of the universe. I think that's really, uh, it's a really beautiful way of looking at the work of an artist. You're very talented as both a singer and a rapper. Um, So I'm kind of curious, how does that factor into your writing? When do you decide that, Hey, I want to sing over this track or I want to rap over this track.
0: So my process with uh, writing two beats is that um, I just listen, I feel, um, sort of get a vision, I write, I vocalize, and then I refine. Um, and so a lot of times it is very much beat driven um, and very much what's happening in the beat, right? Like somebody will send me a beat that I work with and it'll just be straight through, right? Um, just straight beat all the way through, maybe a little bridge, maybe a change in the hook, right? And so for me, that leaves more room open for me to uh, experiment with like layers or harmonies or like, okay, me singing over this beat at this point is getting kind of boring for me, right? So I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to rap a little bit and I have a little bit more to say about those things. So that's kind of my process with that. And so, you know, with folks like The Lasso, whose beat, are like i mean they can stand on their own right cuz there's so much happening and so much like beauty and lushness right and so with things like that i can sort of take a step back and maybe become like a vocal instrument instead of sort of like this main um main vocal um so it, it does kind of depend on the beat and the music and you know just the, the whole vibe of the thing i don't I don't really go into it um with a plan right i just you know let it come.
2: Cool. Have you, have you ever done any work uh, with vocalists on, as a producer before?
0: No, not yet. I, I'm, I, I'm sure that it's coming though. And I think one thing um, that I am really proud of in my uh, sort of journey as an artist or, or and a producer is that um, I've become a really good tracking engineer. Cause usually I just do everything at home. Yeah. Um, so there was a time when I would just like, record the stems, not take out any breath marks, not like, you know, right. give them a demo of how I want the harmonies and things to fall. And then I hear the finished product and it's like cringy, right? So I try to you know, be proactive before I send off the stems, but I haven't, um not to my memory, I haven't like seriously worked with another vocalist. I'm sure it's coming Um and that's going to be a trip, but. So now I'm kind of getting the, like, technical aspects uh, uh, in line so that when it does happen, it'll be, you know, ready. I love when I go and other people record my vocals and it's just, like, easy, you know. I, I don't have yeah. to, you know, say, take this good mark out or, you know, yeah. whatever you have I mean, it's so rare
2: that someone can really do both. And if you can get past the technical hurdles and get a good sounding product at the speed of the idea that you're having, that's a feat. And, you know, I'm sure that'll come in handy if you ever decide to work with someone else. Absolutely.
0: I I agree. I'm looking forward to, you know, all the new growth and then also, you know, working with other collaborate collaborators has really like helped me, um, see how they work and how their process is. And so then I'm like, okay, well, I like that. I'll use that. You know, I like the way this tracking engineer treated me in the studio, how he treated my vocals. Like, how do they do that? Let's do it. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's part of the journey, man. I'm I'm having a good time, but also not like stressing myself to like get it done. It's all really organic because, you know, the other way, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that too, because, you know, it seems like you're really adept at collaboration, uh, which has been more important and more difficult than ever in this last year. So how has this affected your creative process and, you know, your communication with the people that you're working with? Right.
0: Because of my lack of proximity to like city spaces, like it's been like this for years now, you know, where I would have to send stems and not meet up and we would be sending emails back and forth. I mean, that was pretty much all of Ibuma. Um, oh. So when the transition happened, I was like, man, like no more live shows. Like, what's the deal? Like, what am I going to do with my time? And then, you know, people started hitting me up for features and all of these things. And it was just kind of like, it was like regular, you know, good running a business without the, you know, added live performance aspect. Yeah.
2: It's uh, that's something that I, I, I really admire because like as a musician, I feel like I've had, you know, a lot of, uh, I've, I've done a lot of collaborating uh, in person and otherwise, but like, I've always found that like, if we don't finish it in a session in the same room, we probably never will.
0: You know, Missy Elliott has been getting a lot of play these last few years, like well-deserved and yeah. way late. And a few dollars short, I'm sure. But um, when she did an interview, and she was like, You know, me and Timlin never like recorded in the same studio. I always did it at home. And I was like, Word, okay, I'm good. Even at any point where I feel like this is weird and I'm not doing it right. No, like, yeah. I have, you know, somebody went before me and did it. And, you know, hugely influential hugely successful so yeah and it's like we it's like a magic trick right it's like that
2: prestige Absolutely.
0: right? And so that's what we you know especially in this time what, what we're working for and mm-hmm. yeah i think it is different with live instrumentation because i also play with a band uh in the one of the nearest cities el paso and you know it's like we haven't practice in, in months, you know, and it, it's really difficult. And now all the, the new stuff that we were working on, there was, there was this oh, so much energy around, like we have to come to back to square one now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, things have changed, minds have changed. Like we have to like recreate that magic or just decide to, hey, it's not mm-hmm. working anymore. The moment's lost, let's move it on. But I think uh, Chandler, you were saying like, you know, being in a room with people and getting that vibe and knowing that if you don't finish it, like it's not going to get done. I've felt that a lot early, like working on features and collaborations where I was like a producer hit me up and like, they're not really that serious. Right. And I do all of this work. And of course, you know, back when I was younger and doing it, like there wasn't talk of like a lot of money. Right. Right. And then it would never get done. I would do all this work and, like, the song never came out. Did the, the producer disappear? Like, well, you know what's going on, right? So,
2: yeah. you
0: know, and on the business honest, I-
2: I'm that guy to like three people and, like, I don't feel good about it. It's just, like, yeah, you know, like these, these are phone calls I got to make. And, uh yeah, yeah. so that's how
0: you know you have to be in the same room right you have to yeah. get you know like the the vibe that like you have to get it done in that space right and so navigating these times when you guys can't like i i, I can imagine it's a struggle
2: yeah yeah but you know i, I think like it's just so nice to see like I don't know. You seem to really have this work ethic around music. Like, you know, it, it not everything needs to be this grand statement, but like that there's going to be a finished thing and you're working toward that. Uh, um, and it seems like at most points in the process. And so, I don't know, would you say that's accurate? Like, do you, how much do you carry the vision of what it's going to become with you at, while you're making something?
0: I would say um, not really like a grand vision, but because I've been working so long and because I've had collaborators that I've worked with for a long time or even new collaborators that I know have, like, a history of, like, releasing really good stuff and, you know, they seem like they got it together. Like, I've been fortunate to uh, work with those types of people. And, um, and what was I going to say? Right. I don't have a vision, but I know that every step of the way needs to be, like, nipped in the bud properly so that the next thing can come and then like once you're through that right once you're in like you know the 10th song of your 12 song album then it's like okay let's start to think bigger picture here you know um and so that process comes along it's just a little later um and just uh, a lot of times it does seem like very transactional as particularly at the beginning when you're starting to work with people. But for me that's um that's a safety, right? That my time isn't gonna be wasted. I know my work ethic. Mm-hmm. Gotta figure out if it's a new person, gotta figure out what they you know, what vibe they're working on, right? But every step of that way is proper so that I know that whatever the end goal or vision is, it's gonna be good because all of those other things were and in place in their proper place. But also there's also this space, um, particularly with an uh, art, which I was so really lucky for is that it can be business, right? But leave that space open for creativity and flow. And so to see those things like weave in and out of each other uh, as you go through a, a musical process with a collaborator, um, you know you just try to do good better than the last time. and if there's issues right, you know take note for next time and do your best to uh, correct course correct.
1: I mean, it almost sounds like you have uh, this clear idea of what you were saying, the business side of things and, you know, scheduling things and approaching things in this sort of like professional way um, that maybe isn't the most common thing for everyone in the arts. Um, But it sounds like that stuff allows you to be really creative. Um, It sounds like having those things in place kind of gives you the room to create freely, um, because you know that there is going to be a next step and you kind of have an idea of what those next steps are going to be. Okay. Hey, Billy, I am a little curious, um, cause you spoke a little bit about recording yourself, tracking yourself. Um, so do you do your work in a home studio or do you have a studio that you go to?
0: I, um, do not generally go to studios. I work at home. I have, um, a 35 foot, uh, pace arrow, 1984, um, that I demoed and gutted and I'm about 80% done. Um, and it's going to be my studio. It's going to have like a little listening room in the back. I got the closet ready for the recording. Like, um, nice. that's, super. yeah. So that's, that's what I do. Do where, where the magic happens.
1: Yeah. Uh, What kind of mic do you use?
0: Um, So that's funny because I've been using uh, Behringer C1 for like the last four years, but I recently um, uh, upgraded and I'm using now the Roswell Mini K47. Um, And big shout out to Vintage Audio King who hooked it up. Um, i love to join them out there. So they got, they were like, Oh, that's what you're recording with. Let's get you into something <laughs> better and let's not like break your pocket either. So they, they're, they're, that's what I'm working with now. Really excited.
1: So we're using the Behringer C1 up until recently. I mean like the stuff on the lasso, like, was that Behringer?
2: Yep.
1: Wow.
0: I'm Behringer. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, I did I did something else uh, with my homeboy Macy, and, uh also out of Chicago, and he was like, "Man, your vocals sound so good!" And I'm like, "He was like, what are you using?" And I was like, mm-hmm. Behringer C1." And he was like, "What?" He and then he like he gave me some like random musical anecdote about famous person like using like a cheap ass microphone but they sent it through all sorts of like filters and you Mm -hmm. know all of the hardware and stuff and so it came out really good but i think that's part of me like again learning the doll learning how to side chain and use Mm -hmm. you know the audio effect rack and you know just just listening and learning my voice and uh in relationship to the to the music that's happening i think um yeah, it, it it helps you know mitigate the lesser quality of the
2: of the microphone. At that point, were you already in the Southwest?
0: Hmm.
2: Okay, because one thing that uh, when, really strikes yeah, me, I've been here
0: for
2: about oh wow, okay, cool. Because i mean, one thing that really strikes me about this area, and a big part of what I just you know fell in love with was how quiet it is, and like. I, th- I am wondering like in terms of making music, if, uh, you know, is it the quality of the mic or the fact that you're not fighting like, you know, planes and helicopters all the time and,
0: and refrigerators and, you well, know, hold on. Or, I had
2: the <laughs> loudest refrigerator ever, but, <laughs> but that's, that's my fault and uh, an angry rant for another time.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, you, what I used to do is just unplug the refrigerator, unplug the fan, unplug the heater and then record. Um, mm-hmm. The, the studio that i have is um really uh it's really good for sound um i don't think that a lot of stuff bleeds through in or out but um yeah i don't get any noise complaints i mean my closest neighbor is like a quarter mile away so i you know i nice. can i can bump if i need to bump you know
2: that's excellent have you ever thought about oh i guess it would be a little difficult in the Arrow, but like Uh, This is the first time in my life I've ever like technically been able to own a drum set. And I don't even play drums like that, but I'm really tempted to. (laughs) So, I mean, have you been tempted to get into any, uh, into into any louder acoustic instruments because you can?
0: Uh, No, not yet. I tried um, guitar for a few months. I was taking some lessons, but then COVID hit and that wasn't uh, possible anymore. I, um, mm-hmm. when I did music in Chicago, I played for a world music band and they put me on percussion and that was like really fun, like playing nice. with all the different types of percussion instruments. And I'm hoping to get, just get back into more instruments. I've been doing keys a little bit too. So nice. we'll see.
1: Knowing that you recorded all that on a Behringer C one is going to make a lot of people feel like they wasted a lot of money when they listen Seriously.
0: At it, which uh, is exactly
1: <laughs> what I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, challenging
0: I, musicians every day. in yeah, yeah. I,
1: I do want to touch on, uh, I, I do want to come back to that just cause I'm curious. So d- do you run that through a preamp? Do you have like a, a go-to vocal chain that you use?
0: Um, I have like a preset and my audio rack, uh, and then I just play around, but I do take it through a preamp. I got another upgrade. I was working with the uh, Yamaha A306 as a pre, uh, like a preamp to go into the computer. But now I got I got the real shit. I got the Scarlett Focusrite. So um, mm, things nice. are sounding way much more clear. I feel like I'm working uh, smarter now and not harder. And, you know, I used the Yamaha first because I was also like doing DJing and doing live performances. So I was like, okay, well, I just need something that's like all purpose. Right. And it did me well for a long time. And that's what I ran, you know, all the, all the recent releases through, but you know, now hopefully it'll the next things will be taken up to the next level. Cause I, I did get an upgrade. I'm very pleased about.
2: So when were you DJing actively? Cause I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of its own art form. I'm, I'm wondering how you approached it.
0: Um, I've been DJing like in, within the last few years. Um, cool. it just kind of came like naturally, like I would be playing and <clears throat> like, or, or I would like just make a mix. Like someone would ask me to make a mix on the internet and then someone locally would be like, Oh, okay. You have this mix. Um, come play for, for us, you know, for a couple hours. And, um, nice. I really, 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 really enjoy it. Um, it's different. Um, for me it's just a little bit of less pressure than live performance. Um, but also I I it's hard for me as an artist to like consume music um like passively. Um I don't wanna get too many ideas from too many places, you know what I mean? When I do my thing, I want it just kinda to be like
2: yeah, absolutely. For
0: lack of a better term, as pure as possible, right, coming from me. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, like, listen to a lot of vocal music. I listen to a lot of instrumental music. But this DJing is a way for me to give purpose to it, right? And it's separated, but it's also fun. It's fun to look for new music. It's fun for to look, to look for hella old music. It's fun now to, like, listen to, like, my favorite DJs on Mixcloud or whatever. Like, it, it really, to open up a new facet to me where I feel like, I'm learning and growing, uh, but not, uh, um, I'm not appropriating. Like it's not super sinking into my psyche because I'm also, um, you know, trying to crowd control, right. Like trying to create a mood and curate a mood for people, um, which is for me, another act of service. Right. Um, so it's, it's been super fun. Um, I, again, I'm super grateful that the, the way was open for me to do that. Cause it's really, um, opened me up in new ways.
2: Hmm. that's excellent
1: yeah it's awesome i feel like there's there's a lot of music that i wouldn't really understand if it wasn't for djs i think that's the to me it's like the real power of djing Um, and something that can't really be replaced i don't think it can be replaced by playlists or anything like that there are just certain tracks and certain styles of music that like i didn't really understand techno music until i went to like an actual techno club and like heard people DJ with it. And then I was like, Oh, okay. This is how you're supposed to use this music. Um, (laughs) even like certain, you know, there, there's certain like nineties, New York city style hip hop that just doesn't, you know, I, I might not listen to it on its own but when I hear it in the middle of a DJ set and I hear like the right. verse and then the chorus and then that goes into another verse from another song that's, and then they, you know, they put the beat of one song under this other song That's like, one. okay, I get it. And then it feels more like a conversation. It feels like there's more going on. Whereas, yeah. you know, right. it's just, you know, three verses of so, a dude talking yeah, about I 90s. I don't get it.
0: I <laughs> like too that they don't, that they don't always play the whole song either. Like, especially when you're saying like, like 90s, like, r&b and hip-hop it's like okay well they did like four choruses like i yeah. don't want to hear all four <laughs> choruses like give me the good part and then like right slide <laughs> in that beat mass and slide in that other jam yeah, you know right. like I, I really feel you on that and it's it's a lot of like care um and it's just a lot of thought um that mm-hmm. really good djs have and then you can feel it through their selections and that conversation i you said that they're trying to start so um mm-hmm. They got to all the DJs, all oh, the good DJs, because there's some shitty DJs too. So
1: yeah, I'm curious who you're listening to right now.
0: I'm listening to uh, things that I'm writing to right now, um, and then, like I said, I don't like on my off time. Like I don't really listen to a lot of. Okay, well, I'm 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 gonna lie. I'll, I'm not gonna lie. I'll tell you on my long drive, I listen to like three hours of Joseph Campbell lecturing about mythology and like, and all of these other things. Right. Right. So that's kind of like what my usual is. But, um, lately, um, I've been, I listen to Hugh Masekela. I listen to, I love Herbie Hancock. I listen to him all the time. Um, who else? A lot of like old school, like Detroit techno and, and Chicago house, um, I, I recently discovered Jeff Mills, the bells was just like, like old techno. And like, mm-hmm. I'll just jam to that. Like that mm-hmm. It's like off the chain. So, you know, those are kind of a lot of old and then new cuts, new things I'm working on. And then I just listen to lectures, like a lot.
1: Well, I don't want to like keep you too much longer, but I do want to just ask, um, kind of looking forward, you know, I mean, we're still, we're still in the pandemic. We're maybe on the way out, kind of hard to know, kind of hard to see, like, predictions for what's going to happen next. But I'm just kind of curious, like, for you, like, personally in your career, but also just, like, um, your thoughts on music in general, the music scene in general, the music community in general. What do you see the future looking like once we're out of this? Uh, Do you think things are going to go back to the way they were before, or?
0: It's going to be crazy at first. That's what I feel. It's going to be very crazy and i've actually had conversations with folks because el paso texas is open el Paso's like moving not that it's like a huge scene anyway but like things are happening people are starting asking to do things and you know i kind of had like a discussion with a bandmate and i was like yo like we can't go back to before where our artistry is not being valued in the proper way right like Like they're coming to artists and being like, we're really suffering. We're really hurting. Like, can you play for $50 and dinner in three hours? And I'm just like, we, we can't, we have an opportunity to get our, get our value and get our money's worth or resources worth or or just, just respect us enough to um, value us properly Um, so that is like the current struggle I'm going through now, but I do think that it's going to be crazy. Like, um, I think it's good that it's warm and that a lot of outdoor venues are like starting to open up because I love playing outdoors. I prefer playing outdoors. Um, but as far as, like, I feel like it's going to be like when teachers, you know, when teachers go to school, like new teachers go to school and then they get sick for the first week. Like I'm trying to avoid that time, you know, where like everybody, and it doesn't even have to be COVID. It could just be anything because we've been cooped up in their houses, right? Or, or or they're like super excited about being out and get super drunk and then like super like yelling and spitting in everybody's faces, which is, yeah. you know, an issue I had before, <laughs> before COVID, like, how you know, do I navigate like. these things.
2: Yeah. I mean New Mexico, I think only what, less than twenty five percent of the population has been vaccinated so far. And so there are still mm-hmm. a lot of carriers out there. Even more so with things reopening. I mean you know, it's a relatively safe area, especially up here. I'm I'm not sure what it's like around you, but uh, you know, I mean at the rate that things are opening, you know, it's it's kind of a race to the vaccine, it seems like.
0: Yeah.
1: I think about this. Yeah, too, I mean it just crazy. being this free for all when things open up again. <laughs> It's going to be crazy because I feel like
2: everyone's going to have their own personal I'm back moment and it's going to look wild. You're going to see people do things that you've never seen them do. (laughs)
0: Like me over excited. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm just waiting for that time when like everybody gets their yahs out. And then it's like a little bit like more even. Um, I'm calling it now. Then we'll see what happens.
2: October huge gonorrhea spike all right i'm just throwing that out there now <laughs> like it's gonna be bad but
0: yeah uh, it's gonna be the second wave because i already read an article about that really about covid and gonorrhea and like oh, i was joking that's a thing particularly young people yeah particularly young people not caring and like trying to create herd immunity but it's like there's still a lot of irresponsibility, right. Within that, like not even yeah. having to do with COVID, like you guys are just banging, like just cause you haven't in a while. Cause you were scared, you know, and now you're just like going, it's like, everybody's going wild. So yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's how the second baby boom happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. No, it's, it's something I think about a lot where it's like all the people that I see who were like, you know in LA not taking things seriously um those are going to be all the people who are going to be at the first shows the first concerts the first like public events uh who are going to be super 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 excited because now they get to do this and not feel like they're being you know chastised by the rest of society or whatever and like I really just want to wait for those people to like fizzle out get their rocks off and then then I'll go <laughs>
0: smart move there's
1: this
0: (laughs) until then like cherishing this time like this i I really feel bittersweet about like things like opening back up like i really you guys i think you guys understand how much i like my my time right and so now it's like okay you just had like a year and a half vacation and now you gotta go back to work like so cherish the day cherish the time (laughs)
1: Absolutely. No, totally. And I, if I may, like sometimes, you know, I've kind of come to realize that uh, there were some social situations that I was in prior to COVID that made me feel uncomfortable. um, And I didn't realize it at the time until I was kind of forced to not have to be in those situations. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And so there is that, I, I definitely feel that bittersweet feeling of like, well now there's pressure to hang out with people who maybe I don't really want to hang out with anymore.
0: (laughs) Time for conversation. I, I agree. A lot of things are coming up for a lot of people in very deep ways for this last year and a half. Like even just talking to friends, like, man, like, it's crazy, and uh, and a lot of distractions that weren't there, right, and it's like, now you have to turn the corner, and, you know, face those distractions again, and decide, you know, whether you want to continue with them, or whether it's just like, you know, you got you're gonna take a different route, so it's kind of a new beginning, and that's what I was saying to my bandmate, like, let's start out on the right foot, you know, let's, really take stock of what we've been doing here for the last year and a half with ourselves and, and how we want to move forward and how we want to be treated. Um, Hmm. yeah, it's good. I think it's good. It's uncomfortable, but it's good.
1: Do you foresee there being more opportunity now for artists to kind of take control over the way that we're treated?
0: Hmm. I do. Um, I do. I think that there's a small loophole Um, and I don't know how that fits in with like everything opening up and people going crazy, but I do think that, um, we also, we also see, I also foresee like a lot of people musically have like lost their steam over the last year and a half. So we probably won't see them, uh, Ever or for a little while, right? So then it opens up opportunities for newer, newer, hungry artists or artists that have just you know been here and it's part oh of their God. their life and their lifestyle and their livelihood and they'll be able to get in where they fit in. Like, and my whole thing right now is like, don't chase the bag, let the bag chase me. Like, if you feel that your 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 craftsmanship and your artistry is top notch and you treat yourself that way, you, the opportunities will be attracted to you and you know, I'm living proof of that. I live all the way out in the middle of nowhere and I, people still offer opportunities to me. So it's, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. It's just, we have to allow ourselves to uh, not be so thirsty and, you know, let the magic unfold.
1: Hmm. I think the pandemic also taught a lot of people that kind of exactly what you're saying that you don't need to be in the city. You don't need to be in Chicago or LA or New York city to, um, to make a career in the arts happen. And I think it's something that a lot of artists have known for a while, and you've obviously known this for a while. Um, but I think now it's registering in more people's minds that uh, the the place of music isn't necessarily um, a physical space. Um, and that really like scenes and communities develop in much more disparate and dispersed uh and remote ways now, I think that's only going to continue
0: hmm. absolutely yeah. that's, that's why fun. I love technology, man. Everybody is like technology and all of this stuff, but it's like we this is something that humanity has not ever you know experienced in this way before, and we're really in like a really important and like really cool time that we can connect with people all over the world, you know, whether it's over, you know, some bullshit or, you know, over some art, like, um, it ta- it's, it's, it's a lot of responsibility, but there, I mean, the potential for what could happen and what is happening is just like amazing. So
1: signal process is produced by program change dedicated to inspiring and celebrating the independent music community. That's all the time we have this week, folks. I want to thank my guest, day Billy free. I want to thank my co-host Chandler Tipton, and I want to thank you for listening this far. If you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so right now is to subscribe to our RSS feed and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Till next time, stay safe and much love y'all.